Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. And welcome back to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on the eve of divisional action in the NFL. We've got a couple of head coaching vacancies filled. Could have a third one done by the end of the day. And Keyshawn did say yesterday, look for three to be done in the next three days. Could be three here in two. Robert Sala is the new head coach of the New York Jets, the former 49ers defensive coordinator. We'll get into that in just a moment. Fire it, it's fired up. Indeed. Whose shoulders is he on right now? I can't quite see exactly, but uh, he was a Jets legend, and we'll see if Sala turns into a legendary Jets coach himself. He'll look to get the Jets back into the zone after that disastrous season. Get in the zone, brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone. AutoZone, Arthur Smith, the Titans offensive coordinator, has been offered the Falcons head coaching job. We'll see if that comes to fruition, that according to our Diana Rossini. And the one that's causing the biggest stir for obvious reasons is Urban Meyer to the Jacksonville Jaguars with the number one overall pick, 11 draft picks, which they could parlay into more draft picks, and $100 million in cap room. Quite a set of circumstances for a guy that has never once, Key, put on an NFL headset. Well, it's a good situation to be in if you're Urban Meyer. you got draft capital. You have money to spend. Uh, You're now putting your staff together, depending on what you decide to do with the number one overall pick. In, you know, different situations. We had Bill Parcells on with us earlier, and he's had the number one pick twice. One time he selected a quarterback in Drew Bledsoe. Another time he traded out of the spot because the team needed players. Um, And Orlando Pace was on the board who turned out to be a Hall of Fame left tackle. But at the time, we had a veteran left tackle that was still playing at a high level in Jumbo Elliott. And so when you look at it, it's like, you know, it just depends on what you're building the team with. Like, what do you want out of it? And, and so Urban Meyer and whoever the general manager, president of the team will be, they have some decisions to make along the way, Jay. So they've got to sit, as, as Zubin would say, they've, they've got to figure out what to do, but they also got to caucus, get together, and make a decision on if the one pick at quarterback is what it's going to be or that one pick traded to somewhere else with some other picks to get a quarterback – They've got a team that they have to build that really, quite frankly, doesn't have a whole lot of players on it that yeah, are good. I, yeah, I, I think, you know, this is where you get into the weeds a little bit as your Urban Meyer because now who is on your staff is very important, especially if you have a pretty massive say in who is on your staff because I think compartmentalization is everything here. Uh, not only do you need to make those right decisions personnel-wise – uh, as it relates to players on the field and people to help you evaluate the players on the field, but also the coaching aspect of this, right? Like, I, I think there's a lot of responsibility uh, that people don't really understand when you when you land a job of this magnitude and you warrant the kind of autonomy that Urban Meyer will have and, and, and how these next couple of days, who's on that staff, will be a substantial decision to make to help him balance that attack. It'll be interesting to see if if Trent Baalke, the former general manager of the San Francisco 49ers under uh, Harbaugh, when him and Harbaugh worked together, they picked some pretty dynamic players. They went on to the Super Bowl. They were a touchdown away from winning the Super Bowl, a throw away from winning the Super Bowl when the ball went off the fingertips of Crabtree in the back of the end zone. So, He has somebody there with experience to run organizations that know how to draft players and pick players. And and it's all this conversation about Trevor Lawrence being the number one pick, a a once-in-a-lifetime generational player. I mean, 
we don't know what Urban Meyer wants to do. We, we have no idea at all what his staff is going to look like. And I think as the dust settles and the, the fall clears and we start to get a better picture, then we'll have a better understanding of what he wants in his quarterback because he's had several different systems. We had Cordell Jones, former national championship quarterback under Urban Meyer, come on with us earlier and explain that, where we talked about his system that he ran at Oregon State. Can he just transfer that to the National Football League? There are certain principles that work. We see the uh, Baltimore Ravens using, to a degree, some of the things that the Kansas City Chiefs are using in the RPO game. But you go back to his Utah days, it was a totally different system than it was at Florida when he had Alex Smith at Utah to become the number one overall pick for the San Francisco 49ers. So it's like you got all of – those sort of things that they've got to sift through to figure out what makes the most sense to build this organization. The one thing that he has to do a hundred percent is understand who he's dealing with because he's not dealing with 17, 18, 19, 20 year old kids. Again, I'll say it again. He's dealing with grown ass men with full beards, with car seats in the back and little <laughs> milk stains on their seats. He's, he's dealing with that. They don't want to hear the rah, rah. They want to know, are we going to win, and am I getting paid? Right. That's what they want to know. We should mention that Meyer was a college coach for 17 years at Bowling Green, Utah, as Key said, Florida and Ohio State. Never had a losing season in 17 years. Has never had to rebuild anything. Now he's taking over a 1-15 in football team where you can't out-recruit everybody else like you can at Ohio State or Florida or have your quarterback throw up a 50-50 ball knowing your guy's going to come grab it. It's not going to be that easy in the NFL. But even, you know, people have said that, the recruiting, you can't out-recruit. You know how many five and four stars they've missed on at Ohio State and Alabama? Tons. Tons of them. Mm -hmm. The ones that they get, those dudes are coached up. They're coached up and become players. And and so you can coach guys up. You can draft guys in the third and the fourth round. That's what the NFL is made of. The NFL is not a makeup of nothing but number number one picks and second round picks. Three, four, and five is really what the league is about. The it's about, roster. It's about yeah. coaching them up. And if and, he and, can coach them up and motivate them, then they'll run through a wall for you. Okay, here, here's one of the, the dynamic differences between college and the pros, right? When you are one of the top-tier guys in college, your willingness to speak out on team issues is drastically less, right? Because of the autonomy that that coach has and the decision-making. You know this as you get drafted, and if you get your money, you, you, you're extremely confident in your position with inside an organization. Like, you know, I, I'm not saying they have anybody on that roster right now, but ultimately when that does happen, since they have so much cap space to spend on big-time players, if they choose to do that, which they would, but, like, how do you then handle that when guys don't really care? about trying to keep things internal because you have your agents saying things to you. How do you handle that within the media? It's just a different level of stress when you have to figure out how to individually cater to individuals uh, and maintain that position of strength. Well, that's the reason that you have to hire the right people and surround yourself with the right people that have been through it before. Bringing in a bunch of college coaches probably is not the best situation for you. Hmm. Um, You've got to – look, Urban Meyer's been in the game for a long time. He's had coaches go from college to the pros. He's had guys that coached in the pros coaching college. So he has a wide net of individuals. And you best to believe that he's probably got a 
agent that represents coaches that are in the National Football League. So you start, they help you pick your staff, put things together, recommend guys, along with Trent Baalke, if he's retained as a general manager. He's an interim general manager as of to date, and if I'm a betting man, he'll probably be the full-time general manager before long. He knows the game, and you got to have certain people that you employ that can handle some of those stressful situations that you talk about, Jay, take it off Urban Meyer's plate. I'm with you, kid. I agree. And lastly, we should You just... agree? <laughs> lastly, I want to mention this before we get to James Jones, who, by the way, is another guy that, to Key's point, was drafted in the third round. One of those guys that's a foundational building Pretty block Pretty good of player. Absolutely. Coming out of Fresno State. Mm-hmm. Played almost his entire... San Jose. San Jose, excuse me. Played almost his entire career with the Green Bay Packers. I believe there was a one-year stopover in Oakland, so he knows Aaron Rodgers as well. He doesn't well. want to remember that. <laughs> we'll talk about what happened <laughs> with Aaron Rodgers here in just a moment. But before we get to him, just a reminder uh, to tune into my Greenberg show Greeny, which immediately follows ours today and every weekday on ESPN Radio. He'll take you inside the stories of the day as only he can have the newsmakers you'd expect interact with you every single weekday from Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin right into Greeny weekday mornings right here on ESPN Radio and streaming on ESPN+. Plus. Divisional weekend is upon us, and who better to give us some insight on Aaron Rodgers than a guy that hauled in a ton of passes from A-Rod. Aaron Rodgers, to me, is the MVP this season. It's the best season he's ever had. Idle chatter like that doesn't have a space in my brain. Jared Goff is the most important player in the NFC playoffs. This would be an incredibly difficult challenge for Green Bay. So this is going to be... This is going to be the very first game of Divisional Weekend tomorrow. We'll get James to join us here in just a second for his thoughts on Aaron Rodgers and why this year has been so different, considering they were 13-3 and both years in this round, both years. What is different with A-Rod inside the mind of James Jones in a second? We kind of know it's going to be golf now, right? I mean, we're getting there. Rib cartilage injury for Aaron Donald. A lot of people are advancing the Packers here with the presumptive MVP. What do the Rams need to do here before we talk to somebody who can give us insight on Green Bay? Well, I think, first of all, Jared Goff needs to play better than he did at the end of the season. And I know his hand is is a a bit of a a problem at times for him because he had surgery a couple weeks ago. But the weather also, he doesn't play well in cold, cold weather. Mm -hmm. He's just not, he doesn't, he just doesn't play well in cold weather. Uh, and, And so he needs to. Obviously, play better. Aaron Donald, I'm not worried about. I'm not worried about Jalen Ram. I'm not worried about the defense at all. Mm-hmm. They're going to give Green Bay some fits at times, but Green Bay's going to get some hate. It's all about Jared Goff. Jared Goff, the Rams are going to go as far as Jared Goff takes them. Cam Akers is a fantastic back. Robert Woods is one of the most underrated, not, not talked about enough wide receivers in the National Football League. He's going to play big at all stops and starts with number 16. If you've ever, Zubin, I had, I broke my third metacarpal in my hand um, going into my junior year of college. And after going through a a little procedure for that, um, every time I was outside having stiff joints in my hands, uh, you know, even after I came inside for a while and I played, you know, it, it took a while for it to feel comfortable. I'm playing inside. You know, I think you combine if I had that kind of feeling, I wonder what kind of feeling that Jared Goff is going to have in that thumb and then playing in cold weather. How do you, how do you handle that? And how does that ultimately affect, you know, decision-making? I, 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 you know, that's always something that interests me, how players deal with hand injuries uh, in sports like basketball and football, especially with football, even more importantly, when you're outside constantly. He, he, he threw the ball, I would consider, pretty well in Seattle 
when he replaced uh, Walford at quarterback. He did okay. I mean, he threw he threw the ball well. He didn't. It wasn't like he was dropping back throwing forty times in that game. But when he did deliver the ball, it looked pretty tight. Jared Goff, you got anything to prove tomorrow? I think every day you you feel that way. I think you know every day at practice, every game, you always want to assert yourself and, and, and prove yourself. I think I, I've heard some of the guys that have been in the league a long time. I think back to I've heard Philip Rivers talk about this. Every day at practice is a chance to win your job. You have to go out there every day and, and, and do, your, do your role and win your job. And I don't think that's ever changed for me, nor will ever change. And um, so I think, yes, in, in regards to I always want to prove myself and always want to be the best I can be. So here's Zub, the- Zubin, that's yes. not, that, fine. That's, that sounds good. Okay. But once again, like, you know, I, I think he throwing the ball in Seattle as opposed to maybe throwing the ball in Green Bay are going to be two different scenarios. Fair enough. I want to ask you, Key, we've talked about all week who's got pressure. Does Mahomes have pressure to repeat? Does Brady have pressure to finally take Tampa over the top? Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers trying to get to another Super Bowl. We talked about Baker, even Ben in the Super Wild Card round. But with all the money that the Rams have invested in Jared Goff, and yes, it's yielded one Super Bowl appearance. I'm not taking that away from them at all. But you know the deal. Once the expectation is set, why don't you think we've been talking about, not just us three, but why don't you think there has been as much talk and chatter about the pressure on somebody like Jared Goff, considering they gave him the money, they anointed him, and they've shown the ability to go deep? Well, I think it is being talked about, but the Rams are not a national brand like that, right? It's all about Sean McVay. It's odd in L.A. to not be like a national brand. You know what I mean? They're, they're, as crazy as it may sound, the Rams have not taken L.A. by storm. Mm-hmm. L.A. is still a Raider town, believe it or not. That's weird. Even huh? to this day. Even to this day. Yeah. I mean, there's there's huge Ram fan base, mm-hmm. but the Raider fan base is bigger. And so in L.A., it's kind of like, all right, well, yeah, they're there, and they, they, they're a good football team. But a lot of What's being talked about is Sean McVay. Mm-hmm. Jared is, Goff is just a piece. What about McVay specifically? It, it's just because he came in, he changed Jared Goff, went to the Super Bowl. So everything is Sean McVay, Sean, Sean McVay, Sean McVay, Sean McVay. He's the guy. He's the king. Jared Goff is just a guy. They feel like you can plug anybody in at quarterback as long as you got Sean McVay. That's a lot of money for a guy. Think though, about right? it. Think about a it. Lot. People are getting hired as head coaches because they know Sean McVay. Zach Taylor. They know him, right? Hey, I know Sean. We're going to hire you. That went on for a year. It did. Everybody, you know, and so it's a little bit different. And you all you paid him that type of money because that was the marketplace. And he did go to a Super Bowl. No doubt. So it's like, okay, you know, next year is the year that the Flames turn up for Jared Goff. It's next year's 2021 season where those flames go up for Jared Goff. This year, no. Next year, yes. And I also said to Zubin, I think just because of the volatility that Jared Goff has said, you know, we've been on the show multiple times and have spoken about the fact that, you know, when he's on, he's great. But when he's off, you're like, man, what is going on? Like you talk about like the, the Jets game where they lost or a couple other games where you're just sitting there. And Kia and I talk about it with our hands just in their head. Like, what, what are you doing, Jared? So I think that, that volatility – it doesn't give you consistent confidence that, hey, they, they, they warrant that type of pressure because of his play. Yeah, he, he's – look, J- Jared Goff is a very good quarterback. Very good quarterback. It's not very many quarterbacks that are ahead of him. But he has had times in games where you wonder when he's going to take the next step and become the Aaron Rodgers, the Patrick Mahomes, elite-type status. Does he have it in him? I think what you see is what you see. 
don't, know if, that tools, answer, I don't know if that answered your question or not. <laughs> Key, does his, his mindset that way? I mean, you, you, you were out in L.A., you've been around him. Like, he has the tools physically. Does he have the mind? I, I think he has some tools physically, um, but he is what he is. He's not – he's not – What is that? What you see, a good quarterback that you can win a Super Bowl with, but not a quarterback that when everything isn't working – all of a sudden, he can be thirteen and three when there's not a lot of going on. He has a, he's always had a monster defense to make up for some of his deficiencies. He's always had a hella running back, whether it was Ty Gurley, and then now all of a sudden it's Cam Akers. I mean, like he's always had some stuff, and so when you've always had something, you never really could get a true value or a look at the quarterback other than what he is, which is above serviceable. And we should mention, obviously, you know, the connection on, on Saturday shouldn't be lost on people. Um, Matt LaFleur and Jared Goff have a connection. Matt LaFleur and Sean McVay have a connection. Here is our ESPN Packers reporter, Rob Domofsky, saying, hey, look, initially when LaFleur and Rodgers came together, people weren't quite sure how it was going to work. But here we are, back-to-back, 13-win seasons, back-to-back appearances in the divisional round, and now perhaps another MVP for A-Rod. And despite that shaky, tension-filled start, you got to give a lot of credit to Matt LaFleur. The most important thing that, that Matt LaFleur should get credit for is just how much he's gotten the quarterback to buy in because it's not always easy. And I don't mean just Rodgers, but anytime I've been, you know, I was around Favre and he was as stubborn as they come. Uh, Rodgers is the same way. Mike Holmgren always used to say it's a, it's both a blessing to have a quarterback like that, but it's also a curse because those guys are so smart and, and, and they, they want to do it their way. But Rodgers fully embraced it. And to me, that's where this thing has just taken off. And Key, that's another guy that knew McVay and has parlayed into tremendous success, and he's done a great job in his two years. It's all about managing the personalities. And, and Matt LaFleur certainly started off in a rocky situation. If you go back to the beginning of the season last year, they won a game, and nobody congratulated Matt LaFleur. They all went to petting the defensive coordinator and dump, dumped the Gatorade bucket on him. It's like a Buddy Ryan thing, we're going like, to the defense. <laughs> it was like, ooh, okay. So now you start trying to poke holes into that relationship over time. I think uh, Aaron Rodgers saw the success that he could have with a young head coach because when you have a first-time young head coach coming in and I'm, and I'm a veteran uh, quarterback that's won a Super Bowl, Pro Bowls, all pros, and I'm that dude right. – I'm really not trying to listen to you because I know more than you. He's barely older than Rodgers. <laughs> but but eventually he started to win him over. And it carried into the offseason. And now look at him now, home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And in a tough situation where we're in a pandemic and the only thing you can do is Zoom and all of those sort of things. And now their relationship is such that they drafted Jordan Love, and Jordan Love won't see the field until Aaron Rodgers says he see the field. Mm-hmm. Well, Keith, I think that's why I want to, you know, I'm, I'm glad we gave Matt LaFleur his flowers, but I also want to give Aaron Rodgers his because that, that situation could have panned out the wrong way now. I mean, you got to give Aaron Rodgers a lot of credit. If he chose uh, to, you know, not accept that challenge, I mean, granted, his play wasn't that far off last year. Everybody tries to make it seem like last year was a bad year. He had a, a good year last year, Great. just not the year he's having this year, right? Um, but still, if he had handled that scenario wrong by him being 
uh, uber aggressive and coming out and attacking and having another MVP year, almost saying like, it doesn't matter what you do. I'm the guy here. I just want to give him a lot of credit for the way he handled that, not with his words, but also with his play. Well, it backfire. It, it, it backfires on him. If he would have played poorly, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have backfired on Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur could, as a new coach could say, I've done everything to give him success or help him be successful what else you want me to do? But that didn't happen. Aaron Rodgers continued to be Aaron Rodgers and eventually bought into the situation. And once you buy in, you're good to go. Yeah, last It's thing all I about buying say. in, man. That's why I keep trying yeah. to tell you, Jay, well, you got to buy in, man. Stop bucking the system. <laughs> Here's one thing I would just mention on the way out the door here. We got maybe one of the most influential guests we've ever had in the history of the program coming up. More on that in a second. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. That person and all of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. The last thing I would say is this, and I understand Aaron Rodgers is amazing, and we spend all t- sorts of time talking about how you got to make your quarterback happy no matter who he is. The Packers made sure when they drafted Jordan Love and they brought in Matt LaFleur, they said, Aaron, you're everything to this franchise. But just a reminder, you don't own the franchise. <laughs> we have shareholders or a publicly traded team or a publicly owned team. It's a little bit of a different situation. But you're not causing everybody to make every single decision we're going to make the decision this is the head coach we're giving you this is the backup quarterback that will be sharing the quarterback room with you and we're not asking you to approve of Matt LaFleur and we're not asking you accept Jordan Love we're telling you this is your head coach and this is your quarterback it's important to note because even somebody as powerful as Aaron Rodgers the organization is still bigger than any one person. That, they and Zubin, Aaron Rodgers, they'd be at home like the rest of them. Couldn't, teams. couldn't agree with you more. And Zubin, couldn't that's agree the difference more. between the NBA and the NFL. No doubt about it, right? Player man, empowerment. Man, where's James Jones? <laughs> See, I can't. This is why we're not booking no more football players, man. Can't do it. <laughs> Y'all off the show. No more football. We're done with you guys. Maybe he heard we were going to talk about the Raiders' tenures. Like, I cannot <laughs> come back and talk about Yeah, it wasn't so good for James and Raiders, man. So, it's, on the way, she is the biggest Browns fan you'll ever meet, and certainly the most influential Browns fan you'll ever meet. One of our biggest guests is on the way after I tell you how excited I am for Marvel Studios' WandaVision. The universe is expanding Marvel Studios' first original series starts streaming this Friday only on Disney+. Plus. I guess that would be today. Check out Marvel Studios' WandaVision original series now, streaming only on Disney+. Plus. All the pressure is on Kansas City. Mahomes hasn't played in three weeks. The Browns aren't supposed to be here. You're trying to look and just make sure that you take care of business against the Browns. I think there's no telling what this Browns team could end up doing. More from Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin next. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus. 
Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Good morning. I'm Zubin Mahenti here with your Sports Center update. Man, there's a lot of things that are going on right now in the NFL. Let's try to run everything down for you. First and foremost, Urban Meyer has been hired as the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's his first foray into the NFL. The Jags have the number one overall pick. They have 11 draft picks that they can parlay into more draft picks if they choose, and $100 million in cap room. We'll see how this moves on. Remember, Meyer, 17 years in college, never had a losing season, now taking over a 1-15 team. Circumstance is going to be a little bit different. He was one of two head coaches hired yesterday. The 49ers defensive coordinator, Robert Sala, is now going to be the head coach of the New York Jets. He is a minority candidate that has become head coach. So as a result of the 49ers developing Sala, they will be rewarded compensatory draft picks. This is the new thing the NFL is trying to do to up levels of diversity. Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans, has, according to our Diana Rossini, been offered the head coaching job with the Atlanta Falcons. And if anything percolates here in the next half hour, we'll make sure we get Diana on the line. And one quick note from the NBA, life without James Harden has now begun for the Houston Rockets. They started it with a win. It'd be a good little Loman, 109-105 over San Antonio. The Nets, the new-look Nets, will be back on the court tomorrow night at the Barclays Center, just a few miles where Key and I are sitting. They'll take on the Orlando Magic. And Sports Center is brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Look, we all accidentally damage our phones. It happens. Now, Straight Talk Wireless' new Platinum Unlimited plan includes phone protection, just 65 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, data, and more. See mobile protect terms and conditions at assurion.com. Slash Straight Talk limitations and exclusions apply. All the pressure is on Kansas City. Mahomes hasn't played in three weeks. The Browns aren't supposed to be here. They will beat the Steelers. Kansas City, here we come. We're trying to look uh, and just make sure that you take care of business against the Browns. We believe in the people in this room no matter what's going on. I think there's no telling what this Browns team could end up doing. We will see Sunday afternoon. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin is presented by Progressive Insurance and all of our guests the ones that showed up this morning appeared on the Goodyear hotline. It is great to have our final guest of the morning, Condoleezza Rice, former U.S. Secretary of State, former member of the College Football Playoff Selection Committee, and for the purposes of this conversation, a gigantic Cleveland Browns fan, a long-suffering Browns fan. Is there any other sort? And she joins us this morning on the Goodyear hotline. Um Ms. Rice, I want to ask you the first thing is you've had a long association, a long love affair with football. How did that develop? Well, good morning. And uh, yes, uh, you see, my dad was a football coach, among other professions. And when I was born, uh, he thought he was going to have a boy. I was going to be named John and uh, I was going to be his all-American linebacker. So I'm an only child. He just did the next best thing. He taught me about the sport. And we would watch every Sunday um, the NFL. As a matter of fact, um, it wasn't just watching. He would say, uh, Condoleezza, what are they doing? I'd say, Daddy, they're setting up a screen. Uh, Condoleezza, what was that? That was a trap block, Daddy. So he really taught me the game. And the reason I'm a Browns fan is if you were in Birmingham, Alabama in the late 50s and the early 60s, that was really kind of the team you got on TV all the time, you know, Jim Brown, Paul Brown, Louboutin, Groza. 
So I grew up with my dad in football, and some of my happiest memories are just with my dad in football. Condoleezza, as a former member of the College Football Playoff Selection Committee, what was your reaction to everything that's occurred this year regarding the pandemic, regarding the conferences, to ultimately crowning Alabama as the national champ? Well, you do know that I'm from Alabama. So um, after the Fighting Irish were out of it, because I went to Notre Dame, I'm mm-hmm. a Notre Dame alumna, um, I was pretty pretty happy for Alabama. That was a really, really dominant team and, and fun to watch. Look, I think that the, the CFP did a really good job in what was an extraordinarily difficult circumstance. I would not have wanted to be on that committee and having to make decisions about whether six games was enough for Ohio State. I think Ohio State proved themselves. Um, as they did, by the way, my first year on the committee when uh, they were a controversial pick uh, for that committee and went on to uh, to beat Alabama and uh, win the title. So uh, beat Oregon after having beat Alabama and win the title. So I think the committee did a great job. Uh, I like the four-team uh, format. I will tell you, having been on that committee, that I don't think college football is very deep these days. I could give you six teams in any year. It would be hard to give you eight that were really competitive. So um, I I like what they've done, and I I just think they did a terrific job under really hard circumstances. And the kids did a great job under hard circumstances. Uh, Our Stanford team here uh, had to go on the road because the county didn't allow contact. So let's let's celebrate what these kids accomplished in uh, what was a very difficult year. Condoleezza, considering your answer about uh, expanding the playoffs, you said six would be more doable than eight. Does that mean, are you in favor of expanding the playoffs or are you? No, no, I actually would stay with four. Look, it's, it's, um, already a long season. These kids play a lot of games and, um, I think we have to remember they're 18, 19, 20 years old and, uh, you know, the injury and, uh, just exposure to that. I think the four format works. I just hope that we, we start to get some more depth. I'd, I'd like to see more teams that are, are competitive for those four spots. Condoleezza Rice is joining us this morning on the Goodyear Hotline. I'm going to ask you to channel your dad, right? I'm going to be your dad, and you're going to give me the answer like you did in your first response. Condoleezza, tell me why the Browns are going to win on Sunday. Well, the Browns are going to win because they are going to shorten the game. They are going to run Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt until they stop them. And um, they're going to realize that Mahomes might get his points. So every one of those drives has to end in some points. One of the great things about what the Browns did against the Steelers was, yeah, they had a lot of turnovers uh, in positive territory, but they, they cashed it in with touchdowns, not field goals. And I think you've got to score points against uh, Mahomes and the Chiefs. They're going to get their points. The other thing they're going to do is they're never going to lose sight of Trevor Kelce. Uh, that guy is Patrick Mahomes' uh, security blanket. Uh, they make unbelievable plays together when you think you've got him down in the backfield. Uh, so uh, those are my keys. Shorten the game with Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt. Keep Mahomes off the field to the degree that you can. Realize he's going to get some points, so finish your drives. And finally, uh, try not to lose uh, sight of that big tight end. <laughs> Condoleezza Rice, former U.S. Secretary of State, former college football playoff selection committee member and huge Browns fan is joining us here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin this morning. Um, Nick Saban has now passed Bear Bryant for the most national titles ever with seven in Alabama. As someone who has talked about watching the Clemson Tide play pretty much every single Saturday growing up, where does Nick Saban stand 
for you? Well, I'm a huge uh, fan. Uh, you know, earlier in the year, I actually spoke with the Alabama team after the George Floyd events. And I have to tell you, I was so impressed with those young men. They were well-spoken. They were polite. They were asking hard questions. Nick was helping them to ask hard questions. So um, I think he's done a terrific job at Alabama. But I, you know, I guess I'll always think Bear Bryant is uh, at the top of the pantheon. But uh there's no doubt. Uh, Nick has a Nick Nick uh, has a place in the uh, Alabama Mount Rushmore. No doubt about that. Condoleezza, considering everything that athletes have been through, our country, our world has been through, but specifically athletes, uh, how they've handled the year within the pandemic, how they've handled issues around social justice, all the way to what occurred um, a little while ago with the you know situation at the U.S. Capitol. How have you felt how athletes have done it? Has it been a good job if you were to assess the way they've handled everything? I'm a university professor. I, I've been a professor all my life, really, at, at Stanford. And, and uh, these are young people who I think have really uh, stepped up. They have uh, they've tried to understand the issues. They've tried to make a difference uh, about the issues, particularly after the issues with George Floyd. Remember that... Uh, football is one of those places where uh, people from a whole lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different colors, uh, actually try to play together as a team. And I actually think that that's a good thing. We don't have that many opportunities where we get to know each other anymore as teammates, as people who are pulling in the same uh, direction. And um, I think they've maximized that. I, it's been it's been really hard. It's been on and off. I was very grateful. Uh, to see the football season conclude with an actual champion. There were times that I wondered if we were going to be able to get that done. Uh, so, yes, um, I, I do think that these kids have done a good job. I want to say one thing. I do think that uh, universities have an obligation to make sure that they're getting a chance to be not just athletes but students uh, because, as you know, uh, getting into the NFL is uh, not that easy. Uh, it's a, not a certain career path, and you you need a plan B. Uh, I, you know, I also chaired a commission on basketball for the NCAA, and uh, something like 59% of uh, college basketball players, D1 basketball players, think they're going to the NBA. The number's 1.5%. Hmm. So we need to really uh, help these kids focus on their academics. But, yes, I've been impressed with uh, what the, what the young, young people have achieved. And not just young men. Uh, there are a lot of uh, women's teams that are doing the same thing. Um, yes, I'm really impressed. Secretary, before we let you go, I want to ask you, have you had any desires at all, because you are a professor at higher education, to be a president of any of these prestigious universities around the country? Oh, no, I had my chances at that, and uh, I was provost of Stanford, and one thing people don't understand is that the provost is kind of the chief operating officer at the university. I love that, but um, I've had my time to, to do things that were totally fulfilling, and and I'm now director of Hoover Institution, keeps me busy, but I'm just enjoying being a Browns fan. I just have to say one thing. Um, if you're a Browns fan, um, all of my Browns fans, uh, fellow Browns fans out there, we have to finally start believing in our team. You know, I think the Browns fans are the only ones that when their team get a lead, they actually, their blood pressure goes up. <laughs> and you start thinking, what's going to go wrong? Well, I think we've turned the corner as a franchise, and um, I'm just really excited about well, what, what we're going to be able to do. Whatever happens Sunday, we've turned the corner. It was mm-hmm. really exciting to have you on. I wish we were first. If uh, some of our college football fans might know that uh, Secretary 
Uh, Rice there was the college game day picker between Army and Navy. So college game day got her first. We get her second. She's at the Hoover Institution, which she mentioned, a public policy research center promoting the principles of individual economic and political freedom at Stanford for more Hoover.org. Best of luck this weekend. If they go up 28 nothing again, start feeling good. <laughs> you got it. Thank you. Great right. to be with you guys. And uh, a blessed Martin Luther King weekend. Uh, let's try to remember what he stood for. Thank well you. said. Thank well you. said. MLK weekend on the way. That is the one and only Condoleezza Rice. And it was great to have her on the program. Some really interesting perspective. We're so knee-deep in the world of sports. It's amazing. She's got to be so knee-deep in everything that she's doing. To be able to follow sports at that level, that's all we have to do. She's got her hands in so many different things, and she taught us a couple things. Well, you know, you mentioned she has her hands in so many things, but, you know, people want to get away from the everyday things that they do in life to kind of get some relaxation. So maybe that's her out. Yes. You think work could give us off MLK Day? Excuse me. Hmm. You think work could give us off MLK Day? Work? Yes. I'm taking off. What you mean? Oh, you take. Oh, you are off. I mean, it's a wrap. <laughs> Jay, are you <laughs> going to be here, or do I got a solo this on Monday? What's you may have on? a solo mission on this one. I don't man, know. Yeah, we'll talk this one through. That's that's news to Justin. I bet, I'm sure he'll be te- <laughs> he'll be texting me in 30 seconds. That's news to me. There you go, Justin. We're both off. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. You know, Condoleezza Rice did say, by the way, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Condoleezza Rice did say she was a member of the Rice Commission on college basketball reform, trying to fix the sport. Before I let you go, a college basketball coach that so many people know that's doing an amazing job, and no one's talking about it. It's a full-scale football Friday coming your way as we get set for the divisional round with Bill's legend Thurman Thomas and the one, the only... Chris Berman. Don't miss it with me, Greeny, starting 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Just one more thing. We'll get right to it. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. A reminder, when we're done, Greeny is up next. He follows us every weekday morning here on ESPN Radio. Greeny will take you inside the stories of the day as only he can. The newsmakers, the A-listers, wait till you see who's on today's show. I'll have that for you here in a second. He'll interact with you every single weekday. From Keyshawn, Jabel, and Zubin, right into Greeny. Weekday mornings on ESPN Radio. Greeny and the rest of the ESPN Radio lineup also streaming on ESPN+. Plus. On the way this morning at 10.15 Eastern, I told you the bills are all coming out of the woodwork. Keith Thurman Thomas! The Hall of Famer will be there 15 minutes after that at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. He's been on our show, and he was once stunned that he was on the air with one Jay Williams. That will be Ed Reed who will join us with Greeny and your boy at 11.30 a.m. Eastern. Boomer will be there circling the wagons before maybe the Bills do this weekend. So that's on Greeny, Thurman Thomas, Ed Reed, Chris Berman, all coming up 
on Greening, Stephen A. Smith and the gang on First Take 10 Eastern on ESPN. All right, last thing. We always talk about coaches going back to their alma maters. We talk about coaches maybe getting jobs because of who they were and they didn't have the experience. How successful could they really be? There's one dude out there that has bucked this trend in a huge way. He was one of the most legendary players at his school, and people said, well, you know, maybe that's why they gave him the job. Doesn't have a ton of experience, especially at the college level. But Jawan Howard of the University of Michigan has turned into an outstanding head coach. Of course, if you're old enough to remember, Howard, a member of the legendary Fab Five. He went 19-12 and 12 in his first year, which is pretty darn good considering the Big Ten has essentially been college basketball's best conference year in and year out from a top-to-bottom basis for a long time. He rolls in at 19-12. and 12. This year, they are the best team in the best conference, hands down, in America. Michigan is 11-0. They said Iowa would win the conference. They said Illinois would win the conference. Nobody has been able to defeat the University of Michigan. And this is where, Jay, I know you're a big college basketball guy, and there's always been talk about who's going to replace Coach K. Will it be a a former player? Who will it be? The Big Ten doesn't release an actual preseason poll. I don't know why they don't do that like everybody else does. They have an unofficial poll. A couple writers get together. This was the unofficial Big Ten poll before the season started. One, Illinois. Two, Iowa. Three, Wisconsin. Four, Michigan State. Still waiting for Michigan. Five, Rutgers. Six, Michigan. They were selected sixth in the preseason poll. Jay, this is a legend that has come home, and more importantly, he has actually brought a fractured Fab Five unit together, and he is performing at a level that I don't think anybody would have thought in year number two. You know, from a recruiting perspective, uh, he's been able to bring in a couple of good classes as well. And I I think the way that he's had Hunter Dickinson play a seven footer uh, can average, you know, I think it's like 17 and a half points per game, close to double digit rebounds. Mike Smith, the way he's been at the point guard spot facilitating Isaiah livers has taken a leap. He's done a tremendous job. And, And that was, you know, it was interesting, Zubin, because when he got the job, uh, a lot of people didn't know if he could actually sustain the type of success that they were having at that organization, and he's exceeded that. Like, I think the year he's having this year will really put the stamp in the ground for him being there for long term, if he chooses to be. He's done a tremendous job. You can see it, you can see it last year, right? You can mm-hmm. kind of see when he was passed over for NBA jobs that, that the college game would fit perfect for him. And – Look, you can't argue what they're doing. And he hasn't even gotten his prize recruits. Correct. Imagine when he started getting the Jay Wills of the world coming out of New Jersey. The old Juwans, the old Fab Yeah, instead of, instead of going to Dukes. And, and you can go into New Jersey and recruit those type of guys or go to other cities and recruit those top players to come to your school because he hasn't even gotten there yet. That's a great point. Last thing, um, been a great hire. Uh, biggest story that's sort of percolating that people are clicking on the, there was a Mickey Mantle baseball card sold for $5.2 million recently. So we decided to look up, our research team looked up the most Keyshawn, most expensive Keyshawn and Jay Williams cards. We All lies. We couldn't find anything more Don't than two bucks. It. Oh, boy, Don't stop. It. Man, I Don't just, never mind. I ain't even going to start. Be nice, Key. I, I, I do want. I, I ain't believing that. I got cards at home that's worth more than that. I'm not even addressing that. Zubin, I do want to say this, though. Go ahead. You guys did kill me for the Clay's Chapel. <laughs> and we had some fun $2. with Clay Chapel about the. Ah, oh, jeez. Clay Chapel. 
The, See, if uh, you'd have stayed like that, and never mind. Clemson tied. Stop. Stop. <laughs> anyway, I do want to say that Keyshawn on the show also did say Clemson's tied. He did say the Clemson tied. I just want you to know that. Clemson tied. Got it. <laughs> It's the only two teams that matter in college football, Clemson and Alabama. So he just made them the Clemson tie. That's one hell of a team, man. He always wants to try to find some dirt on me. You got to watch Jay Will. They did it. Snitch. They told Take me some in change my ear. out of your pocket and buy one of these Keyshawn or Jay Will cards. We'll see you Monday. Or maybe Clemson tie. Clay Shea Paul. <laughs> this is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working. The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.